Hello, everybody. I am Mitch Album, and this is the Tuesday People Podcast. If you're new to our podcast, this podcast was inspired by the book Tuesdays with Maury and the lessons I learned in putting it together. Sitting alongside my old college professor, Maury Schwartz, as he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease. And every Tuesday, we took a class in what's really important in life once you are sure you're going to die, as he was. And those lessons have reverberated throughout my life, and as it turns out, apparently through many, many people's lives, through the pages of that book. And for the last year and a half, two years, we've been doing this podcast, bringing you the actual sounds of the conversations that I had with my old college professor back in 1995, and how they still resonate even to this day, and many of the lessons seen through my eyes as I've gotten older and seen through the eyes of my producer and friend who's with us every week, Lisa Goich. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Mitch. Today's uh, program in particular, we're going to share a couple of personal uh, things that I think will resonate with all of you having to do with mothers and what happens when you lose your mother. And the there are many deaths that people go through in the course of their lives uh, that they have to deal with, but I think there is one unique one when you lose your mother, because obviously you're losing the person who brought you into this world. And what are the ramifications of that? We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But we wanted to take a second to acknowledge the uh, enormous amount of response we got from our last podcast, which is kind of closely related to what we're talking about here. And that was childhood trauma and how childhood trauma comes back to shadow you, shall we say. It doesn't always haunt you, but it shadows you in your adult life. And this happened with Maury in many cases, one of which a huge one was the death of his mother when he was just eight years old. But we got a lot of wonderful uh, comments, uh, heartfelt comments from people who contacted us, what, Lisa, through the Facebook site or through the website? Yeah, through our Facebook group page. Uh Uh-huh. And really, really beautiful comments, you know, and just... uh touching. One read, how profound and significant and wise for you to have childhood trauma as a subject for the podcast. It's so incredibly prevalent. I don't believe most people have made the connection or they say it's the past. It doesn't matter now. And they shove it under the rug. I offer this advice, which I share with some of my clients. If you're making decisions in your present based on your unhealed trauma from your past, your past isn't your past. It's right in your Mm -hmm. back pocket coloring your decisions more than you know, from jobs to partners to child rearing and beyond. So true and so well stated. I wish I had had that sentence when we were doing the podcast (laughs) because if it's not healed, it's in your back pocket and then you are taking it everywhere you go. So true. Another uh, gentleman wrote, today's podcast was both therapeutic and painful. My dad died when I was 10. He was a disabled vet. After his death, in a moment of anger, my mom yelled at me. She said, you never made time for your dad. Almost 45 years later, those words continue to haunt me. Maybe confronting that today and moving past it will leave it where it belongs, in the past. Yes, please. 45 years is too long to carry that around. From a 10-year-old boy. Yeah. And I imagine his mother probably didn't even realize the impact of that statement or what she said. I wrote a book called The uh, Five People You Meet in Heaven a number of years ago. And in it, and at the time, I was only uh, in my early 40s. 
And in it, I remember writing a chapter. I was talking about the lead character. It's a novel, a lead character and how his parents had treated him. And his father was a very kind of abusive guy, you know, rough and, and physical. And I wrote that all parents damage their children and that kids are like pristine glass and that parents are like the fingerprints that get on the glass. At the very least, mm. you leave mm. a fingerprint. At worst, you drop the glass and it shatters into a million pieces. And mm. it is so true. Our parents have such an effect on us. Uh, we never really quite realize how much until many years mm. later when we're no longer in the house and in that relationship. But right. you know, everyone has to determine, is it, am I just fingerprinted by my parents? Uh, am I held on tight, you know, in a palm print? Or did they scratch it like the glass? Or did they drop it? And did I, I break shattered, as a result right? of it? Am I shattered? Exactly. So that that uh, note speaks to that. Another woman wrote, I was 19 when my father died. My, aunt's one, uh, my aunt once told me that we never loved him when he was still alive and blamed his depression on us. She said we pushed him to his limits. I blame myself for years after. I got diagnosed with depression also and still coping even after almost six years after. Life is hard. Huh. Mm. It is. It is. Uh, thank you for it's, these responses. These, they're, you know, they're, they're heartfelt and they, they mean a lot to Lisa and myself because uh, you know, podcasting is a wonderful medium, but uh, we're yet to crack the code on simultaneously podcasting and talking to the audience and hearing their responses at the same time, right. we've gotten to the point where we can get the delayed responses and we can get voice messages and things, but it's not live radio. And so you don't get to hear immediately the, the reaction. So we appreciate it when we do get this reaction uh, from people. Yeah. And, yeah, it's very a big much. Deal. Those are really beautiful comments. So I'm yeah. glad we, we, yeah. Uh, and you can always them. do those. Uh, coming. Yeah. Facebook yeah. page at we Tuesday people, uh, dot com on the web. Uh, what's our Facebook uh, moniker? It's the Facebook group page. We have two Facebook pages. We have one that's called Tuesday People Podcast. That's the generic page. Right. But the private for members only page is just Tuesday Pe is just uh, Tuesday People. Right. So look for that. You'll see Mitch's picture right on the podcast. Well, that's how don't let that deter you, please. <laughs> don't let that scare you away. So today we're going to talk, uh, we're going to take this childhood trauma thing one step forward and talk about something that's very specific. And that is the loss of your mother, a brother, a sister, a friend, a colleague, a husband, a wife, even a child. And I know, sadly, from personal experience with that, is different when you lose those people than when you lose your mother. Because losing your mother, for most people, is, the, is losing sort of the grounded sense of security that was always there when you were growing up. Who did you run to when things got bad? Who did you cry to when you were scared? Who did you turn to for comfort or holding? Uh, odds are it was your mother, certainly when you were an infant, and perhaps even when you were a young child or even through your teenage years. So to lose that sense of security changes you, particularly when it happens in your life. Now, in Lisa and my cases, uh, we lost our parents 
relatively later in our lives. You know, yes. not not like Maury, who lost his when he was eight. I was um, in my 50s when my mother passed away, which is now already six years ago. And you were what, Lisa, in your I 40s? Was for, like in my late 40s. I was 49-ish. Yeah. Almost and, 50. And what do you recall being the impact of losing your mother, both immediate, meaning in the immediate aftermath, in the days, minutes, hours, days after she died, and now six, seven, eight years later, when you look back on it, what were the two? What were the the major impacts at those two dots on the graph, and how are they different from one another? Wow, it's so hard because I just was thinking the other day that I don't know if I have fully embraced the fact that she's gone, and it's been, you know, many years. She she died in twenty eleven. So, oh wait, this year it'll be this November. It'll be ten years. That's 10 years. insane to me that that much time has passed. Um. I, you know, at the time when my mom passed away, uh, I had just gone back to Michigan to visit them for what was just going to be a long weekend visit. I didn't, wasn't planning on my mom dying. That wasn't even in the cards. And when I got back there, she had just started kidney dialysis. And um, she decided when I was there, she announced that she was going to stop her dialysis. She had done like 11 treatments, didn't want it anymore. Uh, She was in the hospital because she had fallen at one of her appointments and it was a thing. And she just at that point said, I'm done. So it was all kind of immediately. It was a shock to me. It wasn't like she died immediately, but it was an immediate choice that she was making that was like, whoa, 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 you know, but I was blessed to have two weeks to work through it. Mm -hmm. So, in those two weeks, I was blessed to be able to say uh, everything, you know, anything I wanted to tell her. I mean, not a lot of people get those chances. And so I realize, I realize what a blessing that is. Did you and use every so, day of those two weeks to do that? Oh, every second. I never left so, the house. Never. Would you say, okay, mom, today we're talking about <laughs> I, the years between eight and 11. Yes. Right. Tomorrow <laughs> exactly. we're going to talk about uh, pre-adolescence. Exactly. And all the things, I mean, I wrote a book about it. It was called 14 Days. And, um, you know, because it was a weird thing to just be say, to say you have 14 days to spend with this person because they told us it would be two weeks. And they were right. It was smack right on exactly two weeks. And I mean, and I went to everything, apologizing for things. When I smashed the car once, we talked about that. We talked about everything. And I, I mean, it was to the point where... I, I wasn't leaving her side and I wasn't leaving the house. I mean, it was winter. She died on Christmas Eve. So it was cold outside. So it wasn't like I could go anywhere anyway. But uh, I, she, at one point she said to me, are you going to get out of your pajamas? Like you have to change your clothes. You have mm-hmm. to take a shower. And I'm like, why? I'm not seeing anybody. I'm just here with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't want her to leave my sight, you know? Right. And I and how do you how do mo- you view those two weeks? Were they cherish were they sad were they tragic were you you know i mean your two weeks are a little bit like a microcosm of of my you know month with maury and yeah i've had people ask me well was it a sad experience you're going to visit somebody who's dying and i have to say of course the dying part was sad you know every week you got closer to him being gone 
But there was so much joyousness also in the process of the conversations and the things we were saying. And there was a sense of significance. You know, we have so much of our life is spent in just trivial matters. And now you're having the conversations of conversations. These are the ones that truly matter, that it was like really being alive. It was really your senses were 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 uh, peaked. You listened to everything. You took things seriously. You, there was no room for boredom. There was no room for distraction. Mm-mm. And I imagine during those 14 days, that it was the same way for you. Yeah, it was the same way. But it's weird the things that would seep in that, that I felt really guilty for, like worrying about not being at work mm-hmm. um, when it, I had just started a new job. So I was, and then my mom wasn't helping by saying, are they going to be mad that you're here? You know, you mm-hmm. should go home. And I'm like, well, I can't go home because what if I go home and then she dies? Then I'll live with that for the rest of my life. Right, right. So, um, you know, those sort of things, like now I look back on that and it, it, it pains me that I ever even let that go into my brain. Mm. But those are the things that we think about because we think about life while we're in the middle of death, you know, because life goes on. But I, you know, for the most part, I, you know, we laughed a lot. You know, we, um, she had lots of friends come over. I mean, it was really like a big party for two yeah. weeks. You came over, Mitch. You yeah, and, I remember. And I remember you being and there. Rosie. A lot of laughs. Came over. Yeah. And uh, she loved that. We had a, um, a friend of mine um, was married. He has since passed away to a um, Native American chief. And he came over and gave my mom this blessing and made her a princess in her final days. Oh, wow. And yeah, he gave her last this- Last minute um, promotion. Eagle- yeah, she got a last minute. She was yeah. my mom was like blown away. He gave her this eagle feather. Um, what was the what, what, what was the the last thing like? The last conversation? Did you know it was the last conversation? Did you get a goodbye? Uh, I did not know it was the last conversation, and I think I even talked about that in the book. I, I wish I remembered that the last thing she said to me was going to be the last thing she said to me, right. and I don't remember what the last thing she said to me was. I talked to her a lot on her way out. Yeah. I mean, we were all sitting with her. She died at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and uh, we were all around her the whole time. You know, the entire time I was playing music for her because it was Christmas Eve. So I was right. playing from my phone like her favorite songs. And and she wasn't, she wasn't responsive at all, but she did squeeze my hand at one point because I mm-hmm. my the, the hospice nurse told us that the last thing to go is hearing and that even when people can't respond they can still hear you and right. so she encouraged us to keep talking so though my mom wasn't talking I felt like she was talking right. non-verbally um, you know it's a it's a strange place to be in but I wish I would have remembered the last thing she said yeah. you know she was uh uncomfortable at the end and um so the last day even when she was still talking wasn't her yeah. you know it it wasn't yeah I, I think a lot of people go through that where the the final days final moments we'd all like to think like the last thing we say is you know love wins love always wins yeah, you know something right. brilliant that maury uh said but even maury's last words i'm sure weren't like that his last words to me uh were uh, well, I said to him, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll see you next Tuesday. 
And I think uh-huh. I made a joke like, I expect you to be in better shape because he was right. He was really down and he laughed. And that was the last thing with me. But he, he lived another wow. two, two days. It might have been with someone else. But I want, I want wow. for our audience's purposes, I don't want to drift too much into our personal stories. We all have them. Uh, but I, I, I want our, for our audience purposes, the universality of losing your mother. Losing your mother, and and for me, yeah. What was I, that like I, for you? Well, I divide the world into two eras: when my mother was in it with me, and mm, when mm-hmm. and now that she isn't. Um, mm-hmm. My father lived longer than she did, but once my mother was gone, that was it. Was a new form of adulthood for me. It was a uh, you are the grown up, and. You, there's there, there's no more child. There's no more Mm-mm. safety net. There's and the biggest thing for me was not being able to call my mother. My mother lost the mm-hmm. ability to talk before she died because she she suffered strokes, and the strokes robbed her of her ability to talk. So in the last year plus of her life, it was just grunting and groaning, which was so right. heartbreaking hard. because my mother was so communicative and so verbal. All my writing skills or communication skills, everything I get from her, my dad was more the silent, you know, strong, silent type. And um, for me, it was like, okay, there's no calling anymore. And I can't pick yeah. up the phone and make that phone call and just bounce things off of her. And, and I felt adrift. And I think that everybody goes through that when they lose their mother. It doesn't always happen the first day. doesn't happen yeah. the first month. It doesn't always happen the first year. But there's a point at which, if you had a good relationship with your mother, now obviously if you had a warring relationship with your mother, you hated each other, you were out of each other's lives for years, then when your mother dies, I think, you know, I still think there's feelings, guilt, uh, maybe I was wrong, uh, those kinds of things. But maybe you're not going to miss that presence. But for the overwhelming majority of people who have their mothers in their lives in some shape or form, even if it's like, oh, mom's calling again. Oh, God, you know, that kind (laughs) of thing. Even if it's that, when they're not there, that security, that backdrop, it's, it's it's like a play where they take away the stage. Ah, you're you're still you're still there Mm -hmm. and you're still saying your lines Mm -hmm. but the backdrop is gone and you can't rely on any of the props and and there's nothing it's just you and the things that you say you know what i mean and i think that's that's the first thing i would note about losing your mom is that the world draws a line on the sand Mm -hmm. it says everything that happened up till this point was when the person who brought you into the world was still with you in it. Everything that happens mm-hmm. afterwards, you are responsible for. Yeah. Did you feel this way? This is one of the biggest things I noticed was that I didn't realize how much I depended on my mom still as an adult until after she was gone. Did you feel that way, Mitch? Uh, yeah, but not depended maybe in the way that people usually associate that word like, mom, what do I do? Or mom, help me. Or mom, uh, I need you to do this for me. I need you to call somebody for me. I think I had, by that age, I was quite independent. And my mom was sick in the final year. So she wasn't doing things for me or or for, for anyone. We were doing for her. But 
But I still say the answer is yes to your question because you depend on your mother for other things. You depend on your mother, for example, for um, validation. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's good. How many of us want to hear our mothers say, that's good, you did good. That's a good thing you're doing. Even Mm -hmm. if you're not asking for help, just to have to please your mother, the desire to make your parents happy, but particularly to make your mother happy is a need. It's not just a a thing. It's a need. It's, 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 It's something It's very human to want our mothers to be able to bless the things that we're doing. And to mm-hmm. we feel like we're on the right track if our parents kind of confirm that, yeah, good move. And, you know, when my mom could still talk, I had a mother that was, uh, we all think our mothers are, you know, the, the most unique and the most special. And everybody should feel that way about their own mother. Um, but beyond being great and being funny and being personable and all those things, uh, I think a characteristic that my mother had sometimes that others don't is that, that she was fiercely, fiercely on my side. And when I say fiercely uh, on my side, like if I was wrong, she was still on my side. Right. You know, sometimes <laughs> I would say to her, no, mom, I, I, I was wrong. No, you weren't. <laughs> Somebody, right. No, I, I was. I no, you weren't. You weren't wrong. They uh, were wrong. And I that's think, a mom. Yeah, I think knowing that somebody <laughs> that that is unconditionally going to take your side, yes, um, I think you you miss that too because oh. almost everybody else in the world, your father may be the same way too, and grandparents of course, but mm. everybody else, your brother, your sister, your friends, they're not a hundred percent going to always. Mm-hmm. You know, they may say on this one, Mitch, on this one, Lisa, you know, I got to say, I could kind of see the other guy's point of view <laughs> on my mom. No, no. She would, even when I was wrong, I was right in her mind. And I think that kind of like, wow, even if you laugh at it, to have somebody yeah. to do that for you, you really miss when it's gone. Yeah. That validation. I had the same exact thing with my mom. If if my husband and I would get into a fight or something and I would call her about it, ooh, she would start swearing up a storm about him. He shouldn't do, th- you know, even if it was my fault. She just, she yeah. just always took my side no matter what. I, I do miss that. And just for them to listen. Like, I don't think I there's ever been anybody around to listen like my mother. And one thing I feel guilty about now that she's no longer here is that I didn't listen to her enough. Yeah. I should have asked her more questions. Right. Um, and I, I don't know if other people have that universally where we oh, depend on them so much. I think that that's a really good point, Lisa. I think that that's a very universal thing when people lose their mothers. After some time passes, there is so much information that they would like to get from their mothers yes. that they never bothered to ask. I, it goes from the simple things like the family history, which mm-hmm. many people for you know don't get when their mother passes away and then that's the last connection they had to it to you know just i wonder how my mom felt about this gee i never asked her about her life i never asked her about when she got married Uh, one thing i can suggest to you folks if you are blessed enough to have your Mm. mother your father or both still in the world but they're getting elderly sit down with them you've got all the technology now in the world sit down with them and record the family history I had the insight to do this one one fall day when I happened to be home and we had nothing to do for the whole afternoon. It was bad weather outside. 
and I had a little video camera, and I set it up. I said, for once and for all, I'm going to hear this whole story of our family. And my father and my mother tried to tell it to me. And of course, it became very funny because they disagreed over half of it. No, right. you have that wrong. That wasn't him. It was the other one. His name wasn't Paul. It was Saul. It was a, so it was, it was, it was, <laughs> you know, I have all that captured, but I cannot tell right. you how many times I go and, and look at that and watch that and listen to uh. my mother tell me the story of our family from as far back as, as she knew. And it's the stories that I will now tell, you know, the younger members of our family and all the people who come later. But so, so there, there's, I think that's very universal, very universal that we want to ask our our mothers questions that we can no longer ask. So let's review to this point. We're talking about not having security. We're talking about not having uh, validation. We're talking about not having someone who always has your side and is always uh, you know 100% behind you. We're talking about not being able to um, ask questions be it for information or just for wondering about the person who your mother mm-hmm. was. But I want to play you something that Maury said. Now, Maury lost his mother when he was eight. And if you lose your mother too soon, too young, there are ramifications to that that are different than if you lose them just sort of in the normal progression of yes. life, you know, at the time they reach their 80s or things like that. Listen to what happened to Maury. And the major discovery, I would say, is the way in which it was hard for me to trust the world and to trust my commitments to be powerful and continuing because of the loss of my mother at an early age. Because the fear was, any moment, if I committed to something, will be snatched away. So therefore, I partially commit, or half commit, or commit, but always have a little bit of a reservation. I don't feel that now, but this is what I did feel. And that was an important discovery for me. So this I can tell you from not my personal experience, but all the orphans that I work with at our orphanage in Haiti, at the Have Faith Haiti mission, so many mm-hmm. of them don't have their mothers or their mothers died. That was the reason that they came to us. And there is in almost all of them an impermanence, a distrust. A It comes out in the form of like constant reassurance. They need constant reassurance that you're going to come back that you're not going to leave them, that you're not going to, uh, you know, not return or not keep your word or not do something that you said you were going to do. And it's because the most important security that they had was yanked away from them. And as Maury said, it haunted him into his adult life where he couldn't make commitments. He took a long time to get married, for example, because there was, and he didn't even understand why until a therapist Analyze that when you lose your mother young, you fear that any other important commitment that you make where you give your heart, because let's face yeah. it, you give your heart to your mother lock, stock, and barrel. There are, there's no, I'm going to keep a little piece just in case you don't turn out to be a really good mom and I can go get another one. It's not yeah. like that. It's not a boyfriend-girlfriend situation. You, you give everything you have to your mother. And so when she's taken prematurely, 
you wonder, should I ever give anything like that again to anyone because I don't want to feel that pain again. I don't want to go through that yeah. pain again. And so the the loss of your mother when you're younger is the pain of it can shadow so much of the decisions that you make. And if there's anyone out there who did lose their mother young, I'm curious to hear from you about how that informed you even years later, even when it had been 5, 10, 15, 20 years in terms of making decisions about commitments or trusting love in another form because losing your mother's love too soon will make you wary of all other love that you allow in or are afraid to allow in. Yeah, I can I can't even imagine that pain, you know, because I know I, I was very clingy to my mom all I mean until she died. Yeah. You know, I mean I see pictures of me with my mom. I was a baby by 10 years. And so my sister was 10 years older. Everybody was out of the house. So I was pretty much an only child. But every picture of us throughout my life, I'm either on my mom's lap, holding Hmm. on to her, standing behind her, hugging her. uh, And that's pretty much how I traveled through life. Nothing different than I was was still that two-year-old baby clinging to my mom. Hmm. So I can imagine when you lose that young, oh, I, I... that's right. it's that's a void that probably tragic. is never it's never tragic. made yeah. up never made up now yeah. conversely again I'm kind of jumping around here but these these things are occurring to me as we're talking there's another loss that you go through that you continue to go through as an adult after you lose your mother and that is remember I said the world is drawn you know there's a line drawn in the world and there's before mom's death and after mom's death. Mm -hmm. And you live on the other side forever now. Well, one of the things about living on that other side is that all your milestones become happy milestones always have a tinge of sadness. Mm. You have a baby. You have a grandchild. Oh, Mm -hmm. if my mom was still here. Every happy occasion, every success... Every moment that you want to brag a little bit or or you get patted on the back or yeah. you're just proud, proud of your child's school play, proud of your child's graduation. I have seen so many people who burst into tears at the happiest of occasions because they say, I wish my mother was here to see this. It's such a universal human Desire, And I think it goes back to, you know, when we were kids and we did a finger painting and we said, Mommy, look, Mommy, look, you know, Mommy, look, notice what I yep. did. And what would Mommy always say? Oh, very nice. Oh, that's good. It's oh, that's so good... beautiful. Yeah, so beautiful. And you felt like, yes, I am Picasso. It's the most beautiful yeah. drawing I've ever yeah. seen. And you go right back <laughs> to the next one. Well, we still have that in us. We still have that in us. And when it might be for us or it might be for our children, but we know that it made our parents happy. It made our mothers happy to have those moments to share with us. And when they're not there, we miss that, oh, very nice. Oh, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so happy. We, we, and, and particularly with children, our children and our grandchildren, I think we miss the connectivity to the previous generation 
yes. to you know keep the links in the chain all together. The chain is a little shorter when your mother is no longer there, and you miss that extra link in the chain. And that is also something that comes when the line in the sand is drawn and you're living on now the other side, world without mom. Right. And it's hard to explain that. Like I see, I don't have children, but I have nieces and great nieces. And when I see my niece, who was very close to my mom, try to explain it to her daughter, who her grandmother was. We, I made a book for her because they share a name. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I can see, but you know, the baby niece can sort of get it, but they don't know. And you try to share this person's life so that they'll think of them as fondly as you did, but that can't possibly happen because they weren't touched by them in that way. You know, and I think that's the hardest part is you you don't want their you don't want the memory of them to fade. So you're the one who has to keep it alive yourself. And, um, you know, it's just it's just never the same. So one thing I want to make sure that we get across before we finish here is that while we're talking about all of these reactions to losing your mother, there are. There are also ramifications, missing and being sad and and being nostalgic. These are burdens, but these are not risks. Mm -hmm. But there are risks. Depression is a risk. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is a risk. A post-traumatic stress type of reaction to something especially if your mother was uh, sick for a period of time. This is, this is in particular a sensitive topic for people because we all know and, 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 and feel how our mothers took care of us when we were infants, when we were yes. sick, when we, you know, we remember their nurturing nature when we were sick and had to take us to the doctor and sit with us and give us chicken soup and put their hands on our forehead mm-hmm. to check our temperature. You know, as much as you used to want your mom to say there's no temperature, you still always love the fact that she put her hand on your forehead just to see if I there know, was. I know, I love that, know? yeah. And, and, and they were and, magic because they, right. they, they knew the numbers just yeah. by their hand on your head. Yeah, yeah, oh, that yeah. feels like 102 to me. <laughs> <laughs> well... Now we're tasked with taking care of them, and especially if it's yeah. for years, you start to wonder: Did I? Am I doing a good job? And then if right. they pass away, you say: Did I? Did I mess up? Did I not? You know, I lost my patience a few times. You know, my mom was mm-hmm. driving me crazy, and she wanted this, and I yelled at her, and and that can lead yep. to a lot of uh, post-traumatic stress that you can't. You know, you might need some therapy or somebody to talk to to get rid of that because. You know, the only way in your mind to get rid of it is to have another conversation with your mother and apologize. But if you can't do that, um, yeah. you're sort of left with left with that thing hanging. Low self-esteem, even sexual risk behaviors and things like that have been known to come out of losing parents. And so please, uh, beyond the nostalgia and the sadness and, you know, the way we all have to grow up— um, if any of those things you find are ramifications of of losing your mom, particularly recently, please recognize that you're not alone. And these are common symptoms and, you know, seek out help for them because uh, people will know what to tell you. The one thing about losing a mother is that you're not alone. Uh, mm-hmm. Most people will go through that in the course of their lives unless they themselves die very young. First, and, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to have to 
know, all learn how to deal with it and all learn how to walk around with the pain that is, you know, being motherless. You know yeah. the song, Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child. Motherless I mean, Child, right. Yeah, there's a, a, a reason that that song is so sad and so poignant. And uh, and not that a fatherless child is is not just as significant and, and, and there aren't just as many ramifications, but as I say, the woman that brought you into the world um, no longer being there affects your sense of where you are in the world. And I remember sort of distinctly feeling like uh, not only am I an adult now for real, but I'm I'm sort of next, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, especially felt that way when my dad passed and I had no parents left. And then yeah, it's like, okay, I'm hard, really, yeah. I'm really next in line. My health started to become a really big issue for me, you know. I, I, I some somehow I don't know when my mom was still alive. I thought I didn't think that much about my health. I thought I'm going to be fine, yeah. you know. And when she was gone and my dad was gone, suddenly every health thing really scared me uh, because yeah. I realized, like, I'm, 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 I'm the next person up. I got to watch out for my mortality. Yeah. And you don't tend to think about that when your parents are alive. No, not, not when you're that, you know, no. I, I, I do that too now. When I look, I have a picture next to my bed of my mom, her brother, her mom, her dad. And I always look at it and think all of them are gone. Yeah. Like, we're next, you know, me, my right. sister, my brother, right. you know, our generation, it's really hard. And and there's not a day I think that we still in these times go, I, like, I want my mommy is, yeah. is a very, we, that's from the time yeah. we're born until the time you die. Yeah. Um, I often say, I want my mommy, you know, it's yeah. a universal. I, I, I wrote a book called the first phone call from heaven. And, uh, in it, people start getting these phone calls from, from heaven. And, uh, you know, some are husbands or wives or kids or friends or whatever, but the one that the people always, readers always talk to me about is the one who gets a call from her mother and mm -hmm. how, what they talk about and how yeah. they get this other chance. And how many, I can't tell you how many times I have sort of instinctively reached for the phone, which is right here as I'm talking to you, and... And, you know, have to drop my hand and say, you know, it's not mm -hmm. there. I mean, how many times I used to just dial that number by heart. I knew it backwards and forwards. Yeah. And I'd hear, you know, and, and when my mother got call waiting, or call, not, right. call, not call waiting, call her ID. That was uh -huh. her favorite thing because then she could say, hello, <laughs> hello. Right. You know, like she knew it was me, you know. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, just that, that greeting what I wouldn't give for, you know, one more of those. What what all of us probably wouldn't give. Yeah. And I, I guess that's a universal thing. So there's a lot to this topic, and maybe it's something we'll come back and revisit. But I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on how it has affected you, because I think we've just scratched the surface. I and mean, we laid out about eight or nine different ways, and there's probably 80 or 90. Oh, uh, yeah. But I'd, li I'd like to hear from people and, and, and see. Uh, but just recognize that, if you were lucky enough to have your mom for a lot of years, that's a blessing. And that's something mm -hmm. to count as, you know, I had my mom in my life all that time. And that if you are going through some some things to d deal with it, don't be ashamed. The loss of your mother is going to have ramifications, hopefully not serious ones. But there's if you feel nothing, if it's like, well, you know, I was sad and took a couple of days and she was gone. I would worry more about you then than if yeah. there aren't some more serious 
longer term ramifications in in this most yeah. serious cases you know please try to seek help for them but know that you're not alone we uh, there's one thing we can all say about one another we all had a mother we yes, all had a mother that's true. yeah we all had a mother who was at least for a second present while we were born yeah <laughs> right yeah everybody all yes right. all right all right. Uh, we've enjoyed visiting with you for this week. Uh, you can check us out at wetuesdaypeople.com on the web and on the Facebook page at Tuesday People Podcast. And uh, we look forward to our future conversations with you. Until then, on behalf of Lisa Goich, I am Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.